so amudi we went uh, through uh, a quite a big chunk of of story of your life where you have a huge experience of doing work with different organizations in different scenarios with different uh, stakeholders so right now what i want to ask is that you have seen a lot of different kinds of learning scenarios you have worked with different people chahe wo government ho non profit ho ya jo bhi what is your take on on learning and i want to understand from the perspective of children you have made a lot of observations how can you explain or how do you think that the children naturally or actually I, I learn i feel children are human beings and human beings learn naturally and spontaneously and that is the nature of all living beings whether plant or animal or human so that's our first underpinning of you know to go from here and if we start with this as an assumption then all we need to do is to create an environment where this can happen you know so we're not artificially motivating children making education fun and games because then the assumption is children don't like to learn even in alternative education programs they want to make it you know fun and games and so we have to motivate activate and all that why because that assumption is children don't like to learn but if we say that children want to learn from their environment from what you started actually the question they want to learn everything and the world is wonderful for them full of wonder and we put the hurdles there you know so and uh, so children want to learn about the uh, natural world they want to learn about what all human beings have developed you know we call it supra nature that what human beings have built over nature with nature over nature and uh, children are interested in that so what have human beings developed you know they've developed writing they've developed reading they've le- developed songs they've developed music mathematics all that children want to learn because they see it around them and that's why we now when we they work with their phones mobile phones we think how you know why are they doing it but because that's there and they see us using it if we don't use it they're not going to bother about it so that's our starting point no and so how children learn i feel it varies according to ages you know and um, suppose you see a, a birth to 6 year old child they're always their hands are all the time moving they want to hold touch this so i feel they learn through their hands you know and that takes it to the mind you know as they work so when they're touching a glass or touching something they're feeling the texture the size the proportions of it and that so that's one way of learning aristotle talked about it saying that there are four, three four stages for that sensorial kind of impression to become part of the the part of the mind or become a concept or become abstract so 
in a sense, the first step is when you see a glass here in front of you. You see it, there's a picture, you can touch it. You know, there's, I mean, not a picture, it's a real thing. We touch it, we can feel it, we can taste it, we can bite it. You know, it's there. And so that's the first stage. The second stage is it's not here in front of you. You know, and so then you, if you say, tell a child, get a glass, he's not going to go and get a pencil. He may get a wrong glass, but he will get a glass, some kind of a glass, you know. So that's the next stage where the child has a picture in the mind of that particular glass maybe, you know, and he'll get that. The next stage is when the child is, or the child or any, any human being also, you know, the next stage of abstraction or arriving at a concept or learning is to, even when it's not there, you have a, even if there's a picture that's there, it's also in the tissues of the brain. But after the next stage is when you can, the glass can be anything. You know, it can be made of ceramic, it can be made of steel, it can be made of this. So that from the specificity, it goes to a general. That is that abstraction. And they can apply it anywhere. So I'll say, uh, I'll give you an example of my sister's granddaughter. She was about uh, two years old. And she may, must have seen a waste paper basket in her house. She knew, the, she knew the use of it. And then we were in a party and the outside in the lawn. And many people were there. And there was a buffet kind of a tea or something. And then there was this huge, big bin made of metal. And uh, suddenly she discovered that it was a waste paper basket. So she wanted to test it out. You know, so she took tissue paper from everybody, ran and put it there. One by one, she made, must have made at least 15 trips. Everybody's tissue paper was over. You know, and so she sat next to that bin, dug up some mud, picked up some leaves and put it there. Because suddenly for her, it was that process of abstracting. That not only that is a waste paper basket, this is also a waste paper basket. So I think this process continues, you know, for everything. So from the sensory kind of a touch to an abstraction. Very often teachers call just writing abstraction. But children write all the time. But they haven't abstracted a concept. You know, even the 10 or number 10, they're saying 1 and 0 is 10. But is that 10? You know, that's not 10. Yeah. You know, in different languages, we write 10 differently. But 10 is a quantity. So from that quantity to come to this 1 and 0, 10, yeah. which children go through, I feel. And we have to give that time. And can you talk a little bit about how Montessori, who was a doctor, finally arrived as a teacher I mean, how that changed? I mean, how a doctor became a teacher? She was the first um, doctor, woman doctor in Italy. And earlier to that, she wanted to be an engineer. But that was a, a man's field and her father didn't think it was the right thing to do. So she joined medicine. Even then, she was the only girl in the college. 
but she stood by and went so she had a i feel a scientific bent of mind you know and uh, so then she uh, after she graduated to be a doctor the first lady doctor in italy she she was also advocating women's rights she was also talking about peace in the world and how that has to come in then she was invited to be because she was a doctor she was invited to observe children who had difficulties at that time they were called mentally deficient children and when she worked with them she and made she made them sit for an exam she felt they had improved so she made them sit for a common exam with uh, children who were so called normal so when they sit, sat for that exam they did as well or even better than the children who were normal and so she said that these are mentally deficient children in that language you know and so they can't do better than normal children if normal children are doing worse then something seems to be wrong with their education they're being underestimated or they're limiting them them to this kind of a level so something seems to be wrong so she wanted to work with normal children to see and look at education of what is going wrong there that they were so badly educated that they were doing worse than or as were as bad as the mentally deficient children so that hit her quite badly and then she was invited to work with the you no know, children in a slum to set up a school for them so then uh, she thought maybe this is an opportunity so that uh, school not a school really it was like a daycare center because it was in a slum and uh, they found that it was a new tenement building and all the parents were working and the children were left close here they wanted somebody to take care of the children and to set up something for them so that was on january 6th 1907 when she started this and that was a day of uh, in christianity a uh, day of epiphany that's a day of kind of a revelation you know so she felt that maybe it was a coincidence but maybe this these children will reveal something to us you know will uh, show us something wonderful and in her speech on that day she said something to that extent so that was in a way a kind of a, profound maybe you know a mystical kind of answer message to her yeah and uh, somehow that happened you know just that one school you know i feel that we can see how much small things also affect yeah. and uh, at a large scale yeah. so there she yeah also talks about not what uh, you know the not the usual things about curriculum this that and what she saw in the children as she was observing i mean thinking of her self as a scientist she said i have to observe children i have to learn from them i don't know what is so that she said that pattern of observing children learning from them 
and then setting a curriculum. She didn't start with some theory. So it came from mm. the children. So one of the revelations there was, I'm using that same word in a sense. Mm. Um, all the material used to be locked up. You know, which is normal. Okay, children are there, we lock yeah. up, give yeah. it to them. So that was a practice being done. She had a kind of a, a teacher who was not professionally trained or anything like that. She was a who would take care of children. So she would tell her how what to do and she would ask her to report back to her and she would also go for observations. So one day she, the children, uh, the lady hadn't come. So the children opened that cupboard and took all the material and started working with them. We call it work in a sense because very often I see people calling it play, play, play all the time, you know. Play is kind of looking down on children, you know. But if you give even a thread to a young child or a small, you know, object, they are absorbed in it. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. work for them. So from the child's point of view, if you see, it's work. Yeah. Because they're yeah. using all their faculties. It's not just some play. So if you think they're playing, then you can disturb them anytime. Yeah. You can say when they were absorbed in that, we say, come, let's go out or come and have dinner. But if you think of it as work for the child. Then it's important. So she found that and then the lady who was in charge, she said all the children have uh, uh, robbed the material or taken away the material or something like that, she said. So when Montessori went to see, she found all the children were busy working with the material whatever was there. So mm. then she said, why am I locking it up? Let's put it out. You know, so now from from then on, Montessori and everybody puts the material out. And children choose. So that was the one revelation. And another revelation, yeah. I think, was, uh, you know, how she sees things, you know. So I think some some bread and all that fell on the floor. There were crumbs. So the children went grabbing all the crumbs. So the other person said, look how greedy these children are. But what she saw was that children's hands needed work. They wanted to touch and feel something. So then she gave them a lot of textures, a lot of things to do. So that was without judging them, without having any value judgments, to look at children in a scientific way, really. And to see without any, you know, bias. Yeah. Otherwise, we have so many biases against children. To really trust them is so difficult for us. Another day for, you know, another, she went to the terrace, took the children to the terrace. And then with some chalk, the one child started writing, you know, on the floor. Then all the children started writing. She said, imagine, you know, that they all were writing. I didn't really teach them. She taught only how to trace letters. She showed them how they were. And from there they were writing. And Montessori gave due credit to people whom she learned from. Okay, so you got a broader idea that how she got into this. Mm -hmm. Now coming back to schoolscape, mm -hmm. 
स्कूलस्केप इज़ अ प्लेस और अ सेंटर विच इज़ फॉर द एजुकेटर्स वेर यू बेसिकली डू दी ट्रेनिंग प्रोग्राम फॉर फॉर इंडिविजुअल्स टू बिकम अ टीचर इन मॉन्टेसरी वाई यू डिडेंट स्टार्ट एट अ स्कूल इंस्टेड ऑफ अ सेंटर फॉर एजुकेटर्स See I felt I didn't want to start a school because there were enough schools. I didn't want to have my own children because I feel there are enough children in the world. You know but you have to take care of what is there. You know who's there to take care? How teachers are always asking, you know, I don't know about this. Schools are asking for teachers. So I felt the right thing to do to reach out to more children is to start a teacher training program. and i was doing it naturally when i was even in the krishnamurti school visitors came i used to orient them about uh, krishna ji's philosophy or montessori or you know all the time in a training mode like so i felt that was also to share i mean i feel i had the opportunity or the f- fortune to work with masters as such you know starting from vaitanay nanumale to jay krishnamurti you know not working with him but being under that umbrella um, and others also david so i feel i can't i can't hold it to myself you know i have to share that and school again is i mean i had that experience in abacus of setting it up i feel that's that's enough like you know yeah so Montessori uh, is all about involving children in doing activities and learning from it right so how does this material really help in their in their cognitive development the other thing to that other question also of learning i feel working through their hands mm. and that imbibing into the mm. cognition yeah. is for one stage of development yeah. you know for the next stage of development hands are not that important their reasoning mind is important imagination is important that is after a certain age 6 to 12 years old no so that's where we have to engage them through that so i feel materials help in the first stage because they need to touch and hold and hands help them to think you know mm. so that is one area it reaches the cognition and we can expand a little bit on mm. that and for the next stage the for the elementary for the 6 to 12 materials are also important because they are concretized abstractions like you know you can't every you can't imagine everything you have to touch the river near you yeah. you know or the tree near you to imagine the amazon forest yeah. without touching the tree next to you you can't imagine that you know so i feel that material creates that and also this material is not just it is dead and useless if the teacher does not breathe life into it you know so we have to again show show uh, present it to the child so that we the child can see what is possible in the material and then the child is left to discover hmm. more and more things so it's a path of discovery so the presentation that we offer to the child is like an introduction so when we introduce we introduce them not just to learn the the concept in that but they become friends like 
that material and the child become friends so that they learn the concept from there uh there is a kind of a, a theory say that about core and periphery mm. an idea mm-hmm. so the core is of the human being is a, is a secret kind of a human it's a secret for that person it's a secret for the child also and there's a periphery around it so the teacher's role is not to go to the core that is the that human being's own core we should not invade that space that is the child's work and that is the individual's uh, area so we are, we only offer to the periphery and it's up to the child to take from the periphery to the core that's not the adult's work to go to the core so that what is the child's work we have to leave to the child we can't rob that child of that because that through that process the child is constructing himself or herself so if we take on the child's work which is often we do trying to explain to the child instruct the child then we are trying to go there we are not allowing the child to work it out so the materials in a way learn, help the child to be independent learners and you think of the classroom there are so many materials for every concept so there are 100 teachers in the class not just the uh, human teacher so that dependency on the uh, adult teacher is not there so they learn from the materials independently and uh, can you talk a little bit about the principle of uh, montessori pedagogy some things we've talked about one is that the assumption that children are natural learners and then to go uh, to build on that uh, if they are natural learners then we only have to create the environment where they can act not all the time to be acted upon so then the adult's role is to create that environment and put the child in touch with that environment that's a prepared environment mm. so if you see it as a tripod mm. the child the environment and the teacher they have to be balanced and the role of the adult is to keep put the child in touch with the environment the other two sides of the tripod then the learning happens there you know and uh, that is one area and that the prepared environment has to be i mean what is the most beautiful natural environment that one knows you know which helps a mm. child to live survive and live so if you think of that we can't even guess may most people can't guess you know but that's the womb so montessori says what does the wo- function of the womb it nourishes it protects it stimulates along with freedom so within a boundary mm. of course but within that boundary there is freedom for the child so we can't interfere what can we do for the child in the womb you know it is there's no interference yeah. the child has to grow as yeah. is 
so that kind of an and those conditions have to be there in any environment that we prepare for the child so that environment has to nourish has to protect has to stimulate and the child has the freedom to within that environment so if you see uh, a environment for as elementary child say or an adolescent all these conditions are there but relevant for that age so that's one more pillar of montessori that how a prepared environment needs to be and that of course after that is the prepared teacher adult or guide we call them guides or no not teachers but we can also call the teacher but a not a regular teacher yeah like, yeah. yeah yeah so that uh, she realized that a prepared teacher is important right at the beginning and so started training and i feel montessori training started right when soon after she started casa that is casa de bambini hmm. and there are the most structured training programs available for teachers and that is one of the successes of you know the montessori pedagogy we are struggling with this say in the democratic okay. education world where we are trying to train teachers for that and it's so difficult because uh, you know to do it on a scale do it on a regular way you know and to create that democratic culture you know that's so important so montessori in a way could do that saw that how important it was and created a training program so can you give any example of how this environment helps a child to learn so what is there in the environment mm. no so let's look at that one is everything mm. is made for the child you know so in a home there are many people living so it's not only the child and rightly so so the environment is for all people so you may not get a child sized bed or a child sized basin or anything but you can make it uh, helpful for the child to use it but here this is meant for the child so we have to create an environment that is hmm. for the child you know we say child is a center but very often if you see anganwadis government sectors even the steps they can't not the child size they have to crawl on it you know clamber over it so why we are not thinking about the child so the size and then the materials are there for the child and they're all open and the teacher also is prepared so that's the environment mm. and children can move around freely so what happens is um, say that child at 2 and 1/2 when they come into a preschool uh, they're eager to learn no and they've mastered two things like and they've come there so they've mastered uh, movement they can walk and uh, run around and they can speak that language also they till what they can do mm. they are kind of perfect they can communicate themselves m- communicate most of them and mm. most what they want to communicate they can so they mastered movement and they mastered speaking 
But when they come into a preschool or an anganwadi, what are they told to do? They're told to sit quietly, not move, not speak. I mean, so that's so much aggression on the child. No? Mm. And uh, that is violence. That what they have mastered on their own, nobody has taught them these two things. But if you're not allowing them to do that, I mean, that's a crime against children. And also the message then is that whatever you learnt by yourself is uh, no use here. Only what I teach you. So the children immediately stop learning. So I feel in a monastery environment, children are moving, children are talking to each other. Otherwise, how does language you know, develop? How does a language get enriched? Unless they speak to each other. So they're speaking to the, each other, they're speaking to the teacher, they're speaking to you know, their parents when they come in. So that's not uh, trampled upon. And they're moving around. So all this helps the child to feel comfortable. And everything is made so that the child is autonomous. That's also kind of recognized. That the child is uh, maybe little, but they're a person unto themselves. So we don't push and pull them and all that. We don't drag them to the bathroom. We, if when they want to go, they go. We help them to see how they can be independent. So initially show them the way. So they feel comfortable. So here in your home, if you have a small chair, you know, the child will go and sit on that chair. And imagine for us, if everything is so huge and we have to clamber every, all the time to sit on a chair, you know, or to wash our hands. So the child feels comfortable. So that comfort leads to learning. You know, they feel it's my environment. Otherwise, all the time they feel it's not for them. We always say, don't touch, don't touch, because our homes are made for us. And if a young child is there, they want to touch things. And even for the older children, say that adolescents, I'll jump to the next phase, not the elementary, but adolescents, Montessori called them like a earth kinder, children, children of the land. Earth means earth. So they need to work on land. So from 12 to 18, so working on the land is supposed to help them. I mean, every stage you need it, but here the learning itself is based on land and the subject and the topics that they cover come from their work with land, work with economic projects, and their studies evolve from there. So if they don't work with land, that's the environment for the adolescent where they see that's a creative power, as, uh, it's a creative stage in their life. So they need to see creation, you know, and so they get that balance amongst themselves. They see something dying, they see it coming alive, they're working with plants, with animals. That's the environment that is right for them. So for the elementary child, is also another kind of environment. So all these environments nourish, protect and uh, stimulate. Coming to this understanding, ki, okay, uh, they have their own environment where 
the environment is itself stimulates learning now how we will understand that they are really learning i mean in the mainstream or in the traditional system there is there are tests there are grades and there are red pens like going across the uh, exercise books which says ki you have done well there are grades numbers percentage percentile so many things what is there in montessori if i want if i can say that in one word it's observation so we observe children we know what they intrinsically involved with what they are intrins- interested we know what they are capable of on a day to day basis we know what they are struggling with so we don't really need tests you know to know that even a regular teacher doesn't know doesn't need a test to know she knows but you want to show it to somebody else you want a proof you want evidence you know so then you have all these tests but uh, learning is so amorphous and so uh, deep that these tests really don't test their learning they test the surface level facts and all that so we have to accept that if you want to test do the test but this is not really testing learning you know so make some things can be made uh, you know for evidence for keeping track of children you know for the government monitoring system so do that i mean i feel there's nothing wrong with that and uh, but realize that it's not really children know much more than that so when we did that uh, i did this learning outcome study in uh, baraich and belrampur in up the children in the school what they were supposed to learn in school they hardly knew anything so 5 plus 2 they did not know but when i showed them shopping things you know reading the clock time and agriculture things what they had li- lived through they knew so much but what is a school giving a test on only on <laughs> what they have taught and they've taught is so minimal so little and the children know so much so i feel don't make a big issue of tests and things have it if required even in mandara uh where we were working with the working children so the when we once the children asked us how don't we have exams and all that because there was an exam season at that time so we said yeah if you want we can have so they were so excited you know that they were going to have exams so we set a date and we said we'll have exams parents were also excited and they bought them this examination pad and a pencil and nice sharpener and all that you know so to feel proud you know that i am also a student for these working children was a big thing so what we prepared for them was for say tamil about five question papers so every child could do well so we know mm. their levels you know so we gave the question papers according to them to their level and so they all did well they all mm. got in the 80s <laughs> <laughs> so so then that's what we did you know so they felt proud doing an exam and i think one of the photos shows that and they were so seriously doing it so what's the big problem yeah 
is basically for the satisfaction of others and records nothing we else. You realize that? Yeah. Okay, children have to do some tests sometime. Let them do. They'll be part of it. And don't take it so seriously. And children also then won't. They'll enjoy it. So let's move on. And there is something in Montessori method which we often hear. Uh, it's called follow the child. Anna. Can you explain what exactly does it mean? Well, first is to have a knowledge of how children are. You know, what are their needs at different stages? Not only academic, but social, emotional, you know, spiritual also. So even if you take, say, spiritual, since I said that, you know, a young child, three to six-year-olds, enjoys being quiet. We don't think so, but they like to be quiet. So we have something called a silence activity, you know. And then older children, we can say, do meditation, you know, can do yoga, you know, for whatever stage. So I feel that is to follow the child, to first know what children are about. Otherwise, not from our whims and fancies. You know, we have to study that. And there's so much knowledge in the last hundred years of how children are and how children learn, how children behave. Not all of it is, in a sense, uh, we can't take everything mm. as a truth or as a God's given truth. But uh, there is work done. And Montessori itself has a lot of research done on how children are. And I think if we observe, we can follow the child. In a sense of... Uh, See, what we, in our training, what we do, we give presentations. We say it's at a particular age, two and a half to three, four and a half to five. We give that range, that this is when a presentation is usually given. But suppose a child, I mean, once in Abacus it happened, a child was not uh, working with the number odds, you know, so when I saw him and the teacher told me I what to do with this per child. So I went, I observed him for a bit, you know, and then I gave him something challenging, jumping over two things. And then he got so excited, you know. And I feel that is following the child in a sense. And then he went back to this number rods and did it also nicely. When you observe, you see what the child is. There was another child uh, who was not interested in maths. You know, I saw him. If the math shelf was here, he would go the other way. You know, he wouldn't even go near the shelf. So I asked him one day, and he was about eight years old. And I said, how come I, see, I don't see you working with maths? I mean, you can have a conversation like this with children. And he said, no, no, I'm afraid of it. He was very good at climbing trees. So I told him, you can climb this big tree, you know, how come you are afraid of these maths, this material? I said, let's try, you know, let's see what you're afraid of. So let's do it together. So I challenged him, challenged him a little bit and gave him that support. And after that, he did so well, you know. So we follow, we understand the child, but we have to help them overcome certain things also to get to that fear we have to notice what is under the surface yeah. 
not just you know plainly blindly follow yeah. like once we had a teacher coming to us and said i said what will you do you know next week she said i mean taking it literally you know i'll follow whatever the child does i'll do <laughs> but you are the adult in charge you have to realize that you are the authority so to say you don't have to be authoritarian but you are the authority for the children and you have to help them otherwise you are abandoning them you know so follow the child doesn't mean abandoning them or abandoning their needs yeah i mean many instances like this say like i was in a residential school in ot their their levels were very low you know they were hardly reading writing maths they were like couldn't do much so then i brought out books for them you know because they were already 8 9 year olds and didn't know one to 10 also so then i i was giving books because i knew their levels i had worked with them so i gave books to everybody one child i did not give i wanted him to come to me and so finally he came because he was different he knew his what he was capable of and not he was should have been in class 4 then he came to me quietly and said what book should i take i said start with book 1 you can go quickly if you want i said don't don't worry about others so he got that confidence that he can work with book 1 and go up to book 4 slowly so then he became you know we had that mixed age group but that diffidence was there to help him that jump over that so now we will come to some of the misconceptions that we have regarding the montessori methods and uh, this part i really googled and i find found out that there are a pretty number of uh, things that are uh, that comes under the misconception thing so i will i will name some of them and you can just uh, then talk about that so for example people say that montessori is for the wealthy family it's quite costly there is another point which says ki it it is solely for the young children uh it says that it doesn't prepare children for the traditional education uh there is one thought which says that uh, montessori is anti technology and uh, often we heard that hear that montessori is also outdated so what is your take on all these misconceptions are they really misconceptions or let me start with the at anti technology okay since we are living in a technical world yeah. so to say yeah see i feel technology is uh, what what is technology it's so uh, a pen is a technology a notebook is a uh, is a technology whatever we have made and manufactured and made with our hands is a technology and india has been technically oriented or technologically oriented right from many years ago thousands of years so if you see the how they made a plow i mean it's such a well crafted thing that it works so well no for all these years some i think foreigners came and tried to make saying this is inefficient and they made a steel plow 
and that within days it was grazing the cow's neck and uh, you know burning a, a scar making a scar on the bullocks so it doesn't didn't work so people think okay it's fa- fantastic we'll do something but somehow indians have been and now of course they say jugad and all that you know so that's there in our blood and just uh, it is not the only technology that is there and i feel i don't think montessori with all the materials that is it has you know there's so much material there that it's easy to get into any kind of technological work what in fact it's high tech yeah. in that sense yeah. yeah so but what is uh, what is the montessori thinking in a way is that a child's mind has to be uh, developed before it has to gets into uh, gaming or you know and using computers only for that so to use it effectively to use it in a in a for a function rather than just for you know entertainment or for consumption or that so i feel that's the way for anything for food also yeah. you know yeah. to have a way with food to eat food rationally to eat when one is hungry you know that's also an, in a way a technological kind of a yeah. attitude so if you see even one of my cousins he was uh, he was one of the forerunners of it in india he didn't give his children he felt till 12 years old children should not be given this kind of mobile phones or at that time laptops he said let them start thinking you know develop their thinking their logic their reasoning and then let yeah. them use it what i found was that i feel a computer should be kept laptop or whatever should be kept in the classroom use it for searching for something and let that be there that's one more mm. material yeah it doesn't have to be hidden you don't have to have a computer room etc it should be one of the things in the classroom at the elementary level okay what about the other misconceptions like it's for the wealthy family it's quite costly it is costly it has been made so because of its uh, material dependence but uh, we've done it in government schools we've done it in slum areas we've done it in uh, you know r- r- rural areas if you want to it can be done i mean i think i gave the example of yes yes yeah Okay what about um it's solely made for young children which is not at all i don't think so not at all yeah. i mean earlier there was training only for the pre primary yeah so then people there were only pre primary montessori schools but i, I we brought in more elementary training programs so now there are more elementary schools and adolescent programs training programs are coming in so now there are a few adolescent Uh, environments now yeah. it's outdated i don't think so i mean it was at one time i felt you know because there was new thought coming in maybe that was in the 80s or so till then because there was a repetition but montessori is in a way classic you know it uh, you can go back to it all the time and you're always finding something you know it's like a classical music or you no know, like that it doesn't go out of fashion or in fashion yeah, yeah. you know the principles are sound 
In fact, Montessori didn't want to be call, it to be called after her or even called a method. She said, this is what we have seen of children. So we don't call gravity some, you know, Newton's gravity or something like that. It is gravity. Yeah. So these are how children are. It's an observation, you know, that we have to accept. And many pedagogies follow, I mean, take from her because she's done so much work in that. And it's amazing the kind of, you know, if you see each material and each idea, every principle in Montessori, there's a practice for it. Yeah. And every practice, there's some philosophy to it, mm. you know. So there's so well structured. And within that, there's a flexibility for the teacher. I feel that creativity comes when you work with children. Yeah. What about the the misconception which says it doesn't prepare children for the traditional education? For example, if a child mm. wants to switch from Montessori to a mainstream school, he or she will have yeah. difficulties. What do you have to say? See, you know the kind of difficulties they have. I mean, children have come back and reported. They can't read a, their textbook by themselves. Only when the teachers turn the page, they have to turn the page. You know, otherwise they would read their book in two days. <laughs> <laughs> and so that limiting thing or going to the toilet, they have to ask permission. I mean, these are horrible things like, you know, humiliating and uh, for what? And they can't talk to people. They can't talk here, there. So those are the things. Academically, they do wonderfully well because their their uh, basics are sound in all the subjects. And uh, sometimes we tell parents not to take children out when they just started writing, you know, because we're following a following a method or. A, a way of doing things and phonetically. So if they go to a mainstream school and they don't do it phonetically, they get jumbled and that takes some time to, you know, get a thing. So wait till that writing happens for the young child. Elementary, they can move anytime they're old enough. And, and if uh, parents tell the school, there's always a time for preparation. Depending on which school they go to, and how about the criticism that uh, Montessori lack addressing diversity and inclusivity? I mean, is there is there a way to ensure that, you know, Montessori environment are more inclusive towards diverse backgrounds? Children I think color? just by itself, it uh, allows a diverse kind of uh, children from different uh, levels of learning or different economic backgrounds can be part of it. And we look for variety. Mm. So every class usually we take two or three children with difficulties and some crop up like that, even without, because we don't test children really for them to be part of the school. So some children, because 10% of the children in the child population now seems to have learning difficulties, something or the other. So that, that surfaces. And I think uh, the Montessori approach uh, helps those children to do well. Mm. Because mainly motor coordination is there. Yeah. You know, they can walk about. Sometimes for autism, autistic children, uh, experts have told us that a whole class moving about, all that dis may disturb them. 
so we we were advised to put the child facing the wall you know so the child doesn't get distracted or disturbed by that but he's alone he or she is alone so there are small things like that we can do or we bring in um a dyslexia expert who works with the children as they work you know they don't have to go another extra class to to you know work with for dyslexia a, a teacher who's trained can come in okay so after hearing the podcast say for example one individual find montessori really very interesting he or she can be an individual a parents an adult someone who runs a school someone who wants to open a learning center what should be their next step i feel first is they should go observe a school montessori school so that they know what it is montessori school you no know? i mean hearing me talk is one thing reading is another but uh, seeing for themselves and seeing how it works and the magic of it i feel and whether it suits them or not so montessori schools allow anyone to come and observe yes usually usually okay. that too we have made it like that helped people to do and i feel after that if they want to be prepared a little more i feel do a training course and a training course can be a full to be a teacher can be a full diploma course or it can be like an audit course where a parent may come in and do only 60% attendance or it can be uh, you know a, a participatory kind of a thing where they don't do any exams or don't do any albums but they just want to listen in so we have three kinds of certificates okay and this is you are talking under schoolscape or this is common for all the montessori training this we have for schoolscape yeah hopefully others should also have yeah yeah and teacher uh, parent etc the others also they can uh, create their own environments no? but after training so training is important Yeah. because that's because a, uh, that spiritually prepared uh, <laughs> adult is important yeah. even when teachers come in okay. for our training we help them to look at their own childhood experiences of school so that they have to shed it otherwise without shedding it they're going in they carry that bias with them because school is such a strong structure yeah. in our minds that to look at it objectively is difficult so can you give a little more um, a brief about because i think uh, the teacher training part in montessori is quite important so can you throw a little bit of light about what kind of molding or remolding the training does to a, to an individual not molding i feel it's like a transformation process where we are reflecting on our work what we have gone through our experiences and looking at our biases so also we've learned things so badly that every material which we demonstrate you know it's a new learning so they said oh i never knew that you know for simple things like you know place value of tens you know ten is our base of our system it's not a conscious learning so all that becomes conscious and they never know the reason why th- we do things so here they understand the reason because you are ed- 
talking to an adult learner so you have to use principles of andragogy also not just pedagogy is for the children andragogy is for the adults so how do adults learn we have to make it meaningful for them i feel that is important and that is through analysis reflection knowing more about things and it touches them yes and though we do it online we create that environment even in the online class that they can ask questions we work with trust we work so that they collaborate you know on that it's not always with suspicion and mistrust and humiliating you know which is a normal learning environment in schools colleges and universities also yeah and let's also underline the fact that montessori is not only about primary or for kids below standard 5 or something like that it also has a elementary course so can you talk a little bit about that because i know many people when i talk to them when i say them that montessori is also for uh, you know children who are above standard 5 दिस यू आई नेवर हर्ड ऑफ इट बिकॉज मेरे बचपन में तो मैंने सिर्फ सुना था कि बच्चे जाते हैं स्कूल के शुरुआत में मॉन्टेसरी में तो मॉन्टेसरी हैज़ ऑलवेज बिन केप्ट इन टू दैट ब्रैकेट की यू नो बिफोर स्कूल स्टार्टिंग गो टू मॉन्टेसरी देन गो टू स्कूल सो कैन यू ब्रेक दैट बैरियर आई मीन पीपल आर राइट इन वन वे बिकॉज देर नेवर बीन दैट काइंड ऑफ अ ट्रेनिंग एंड इट इज जस्ट स्टार्टेड यू नो टू थाउजेंड एट वॉज द फर्स्ट एलिमेंट्री कोर्स विच आई हेल्प टू ब्रिंग इन टू इंडिया and uh, from then on we've been having elementary training programs and it is becoming popular now so but uh, in the world also there were very few when in 2008 when we started there were only seven trainers in the whole world at this age uh, for this stage but maria montessori during her visit she trained yes, elementary yes she trained at that time then what happened it vanished yeah it disappeared i mean rishivali followed it for some time because yeah. the teachers who were trained in kodaikanal moved to rishivali and some other schools had it but after they went away there was no training conducted because there were no people who are qualified then ami came into the picture association montessori international so you have to become a qualified trainer to train you know so that's a long process and takes money and time etc so 2018 the Eight. elementary course 2008, 2008 sorry yeah. 2008 the elementary course was first introduced to india yeah. and you were instrumental. instrumental in that okay wonderful okay so yeah please continue on that elementary thing so in the elementary course if you understand the children at that age they have a reasoning mind they have that imagination they want to discuss they want to collaborate so the training also in a way is that you know where the pre primary is more uh, prescriptive here there is an exploration and is uh, just if you see the teachers in both the courses we run both the courses the mm. students themselves are different because we have that kind of a climate you know and they then uh, they see the needs of the children they adapt to that so elementary Uh, course is very exciting because we are doing all the subjects from class 1 to 8 in uh, zoology botany geography history and in a montessori way which is not uh, linear but it is cyclical or it is uh, uh, 
goes according to the psych- psychology of the child mm. so for time activities for instance we do you know the minute first and then along with it the second then we jump to a day you know and then we do a week and the month and all that and then go back to reading the clock you know so it is what the child uh, psychology is is required mm-hmm. and uh, that is one the other is the elementary child needs to be part of the learning for part of the outer bigger wider environment so there's a program called going out so children need to go out for their studies whatever they're studying on suppose they're studying about uh, leaves they need to go talk to an expert on leaves and then discuss research do some further study and write their own projects so going out is a big part of the elementary school and and in the montessori elementary school and uh, the training too we incorporate that and do they follow any syllabus while going towards the 10th exam this covers the syllabus up to class 1 to 8 so if they go into class 8 or 9 they can follow that and they know deeper things yeah. academics is no issue because we do much more than general montessori has its own curriculum own curriculum yeah. if there are some gaps here and there sometimes maybe on you know in history some small bit is not done which is supposed to be done in class 5 we can easily give it to the child and say do it you know and they will read it themselves they'll do their own study hmm. so because self learning is taught as part of yeah so they can pick up anything yeah. i mean yeah. by the time they reach class 8 7 yeah. they can they're, pick up they're anything learners. yeah okay so now coming to the end uh the last question that i have is 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 a kind of advice or message from your side that you would like to give to the parents or the educators who want to understand montessori or they want to incorporate montessori uh in their home in their classroom in their centers how they can go forward or what is your message for them i feel first of all loving your children is enough you know that's more than enough if you have affection and love and you have that i feel express that very often we don't express that love for children and don't tell them enough i feel that's more than enough the other is try not to be a teacher in the house be yourself be a mother be a father otherwise uh, there's too much instruction going on in a child's life you know in the school that instructed and at home also all the time do this do that where is a conversation so have conversations with children i feel that's wherever you are whether at home or even in school teachers please have a conversation with children and they're capable of that and the other is are we listening to children because suddenly when they grow up and they're not telling you some things and when they hit adolescence they become secretive in a way because they don't know what's happening inside them it's not that they want don't they want to be not they don't want to tell you you know because it's, if you compare it to like say a, a butterfly the chrysalis adolescence is like that chrysalis stage you know we don't know what's happening inside 
So children themselves don't know. So before they hit adolescence, you should be in a conversation with them and able to listen to them. They listen to you, you know, in that way. I feel that's the most important thing. Wonderful. Wonderful. So we have come to a, a very enlightening episode on the Nomad podcast and I would like to thank you, Amudi, for being so patientful for the last two and a half hours we have been recording this podcast and i hope the listeners will get a good idea about montessori the method and the pedagogy and still if you have any any kind of doubt question you can always reach out we will provide some kind of details about uh, muktadi and also about schoolscape in the details of the podcast so thank you once again amundi for being with us today and have a great day thank you thank you sarav